Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We do a little video comments before our show begins, and one of our commenters a moment ago said, boy, it feels great to wake up as a national champion on a day like this, and i got to say it feels pretty good for me too there as someone who does this show, loves talking to Georgia fans every day, loves being a Georgia fan. On a Friday, going into a weekend with some conference championship football games coming up on Sunday, a little early finish the PGA Tour on Saturday. i got to say, I'm looking forward to the weekend, kind of relaxed, feeling pretty good all the way around, uh, good to be a national champion. And because of that, hopefully we're always in a good mood on Fridays, but because of that, we may be in a little bit of an extra good mood here on this Friday. I'm just kind of ready for... A little bit of just a little bit of a relaxing weekend, just kind of ready to just kind of kick back and uh, and and hopefully uh, get some R and R here this weekend. And so because of that, we're probably in a little bit of a relaxed mood related to the to the show here today. I, I want to start this way. We're going to Jeff Sintel, and we'll do some recruiting stuff with Jeff here in a little bit. A lot of that's going to center around what will the final pieces of the Georgia recruiting class look like when the door is closed on that on Wednesday. But I do want to begin with this. Let me go back to October. Georgia beats Florida again. We always love that here. Gator haters that we are. Lousy, stinking Gators and and whatnot. But after the game was over with, you know, at the time, it's Kirby Smart versus Dan Mullen. You know what the narrative had been, Smart Mullen, for, for such a long time. Dan Mullen is this, in the minds of some, oh, he's this diabolical genius. He's this play-calling savant. He's this guy that just, man, he knows how to how to draw it up. He knows how to get the most out of his talent. Kirby Smart, some sort of, you know, meathead that, you know, you know, all he does is recruit and hopefully he can count to eleven to get enough players in the field and, you know, somehow, some way. That was the kind of stark caricature that was drawn of him. Uh the fact of the matter is Florida as a team probably had a little bit more talent than sometimes folks gave it credit for, and Kirby as a coach was certainly way better than folks gave him credit for, but that was the kind of narrative that's out there. Kirby, to his credit, though, has never really pushed back on that kind of thing. You know, this notion that prior to winning a national championship, Kirby was just a recruiter and smarter coaches were were getting more out of talent than Kirby Smart was, that 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 uh, that, that Kirby was doing the best he could, but uh, maybe he wasn't maximizing that talent. Kirby to his credit, never seemed to get bothered by that. His ego never seemed to be bruised by all of that. In fact, almost any chance you ever had to ask Kirby about the relationship between coaching players up and having talented players that raise the level of program, Kirby has almost always pivoted in the direction of how much recruiting matters, how much talent matters, including standing right there on that soil in Jacksonville back last fall after that win was over really making no secret of the fact that the thing that had shifted the balance of power back in the SEC East towards Georgia was the recruiting success that Georgia had enjoyed. So as a way of setting us up for a brief conversation here today, let me let you hear Kirby Smart going back to October. You have to. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting. Okay, I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter. Because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because we got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. 
that's 50% recruiting and another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit guys, you got no chance. Just go look, look at the best teams out there. They, they got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting. And I believe you better always be recruiting, always be recruiting because if you're not, somebody else is. That's a national championship coach basically providing a preview of why Georgia eventually won the national championship. And the matter-of-fact way in which Kirby Smart says that is really very interesting. I've said it a million times. You know, people are always trying to get Kirby to answer certain questions, and sometimes he'll answer them, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes, you know, you try to get something from Kirby, and he just doesn't want to go there. He just does not want to. And it's any human being's provo- per, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, <laughs> prerogative that's the word I'm looking for it's any human's prerogative to to say whatever they want to say and sometimes Kirby just not in the mood he's just not feeling it. he's just not going to help that reporter out not going to give him or her the answer that they want but there are some times in which Kirby wants to go there and when Kirby I believe it was Connor Riley who asked that question when Kirby got the question about recruiting in that particular moment Kirby had had the time he wanted to go there and he wanted to get into just how important he believed recruiting was. And I think we've said before that some of that was intended to provide a contrast between himself and Dan Mullen. With with Mullen kind of teetering on the brink, Kirby kind of pushed him out the door and didn't seem to mind doing that. So what Kirby said there was very interesting. But where he said it was also really interesting too because Kirby was in Jacksonville. This was right after Georgia had beaten Florida again. And getting wins versus Florida in Florida and in the Sunshine State against everybody else has been a pretty big thing for Georgia as of late. I want to show you a couple things on the screen here for a moment, and then I want to kind of dive into this a little bit more. So this, there's this dude. I don't know who he is, but he made a kind of a cool graphic of all 50 states and based on you know certain uh, – yeah, I guess statistical parameters, who won each state in recruiting. And you see, if you're watching a video, you see Texas A&M won the state of Texas. USC won the state of California. Oregon won its home state. Uh, you see uh, LSU won its home state. Mississippi State beat out Ole Miss in the state of Mississippi. Alabama won Alabama. Uh, Clemson won South Carolina. Uh, North Carolina won the very important battleground state in the ACC of Virginia to go along with its home state. Kentucky won in Tennessee and in its home state there as well. And down in the bottom right corner, you see, according to this guy, his name is Connor McHugh 5 on Twitter. Uh, Connor McHugh 5 on Twitter. According to him, Georgia won in the state of Georgia, and Georgia also won in the state of Florida. Now, this is not necessarily surprising news. We follow all these recruiting battles, but when you see it kind of laid out like this, it just looks kind of interesting. Furthermore, take a look at this. Now, if you're watching on video, this is kind of zeroed in on the state of Florida, painted red with the Georgia G on it. First of all, let me just say this. I'd buy that T-shirt. A, a, a silhouette of the state of Florida turned red with a George G. Are you telling me you wouldn't buy that T-shirt? Because while I'm a proud Georgian, lived in Georgia my entire life, God willing, will always live in this great state. My family and I, we've always vacationed in Florida. We travel to Florida all the time for recreation and fun. And uh, while I don't like lousy, stinking gators, I don't mind the state they live in because it's got cool beaches and Disney World and things like that. So we spent a good bit of time in the state of Florida and – Going into the Sunshine State and reminding the folks that live there, especially the orange and blue variety, that the state belongs to the folks up north. The state belongs to uh, the red and black of Georgia. If this is a t-shirt, I would buy that t-shirt. 
And obviously, the Georgia G belongs to UGA. So to a lot of the Georgia folks, I'm talking about you know official you know suits there in Athens. Y'all should make this T-shirt. This t- I believe this T-shirt right here would sell the same way they do like the you know the Braves do the co-branded thing with the Braves hat logo in the front and like the college on the side. And you know Georgia should do this. If, uh, they could potentially do it for other states there as well. But a Georgia G with a Florida silhouette background, I believe that T-shirt would sell. I think that Georgia should make that. The point I'm getting to, though, is this, is that uh, Georgia has really done well in the state of Florida. I was looking at the 24-7 sports composite. Now, this is this is the 24-7 sports average of all the various recruiting sites, and now you've got a, 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 you know, you, you've got one more than you used to have. But the point is, is that um, is this is the, the, the composite for the top 10 in the state of Florida. And right now, the number one player in the state of Florida, Shamar Stewart, he's uncommitted. There's a chance that Georgia wins with him. I would say not a not a you know not a strong chance, but but Georgia's in play for Shamar Stewart. Uh, you've got uh, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, the defensive lineman, the number two player in the state. He's going to Texas A&M. Jihad Campbell, that's an edge rusher. He's going to Alabama. But then look at this. This is amazing. The number four, five, and six players in the state of Florida, according to the twenty four seven Sports Composite are all going to Georgia. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, Jaheim Slim Singletary, Dalen Everett, and technically the number nine player, and I say technically just because Barry Alexander is originally from Texas, but he went to IMG Academy, the number nine player is going there as well. So if you really want to put you know, some, some numbers around you know, the graphic we just showed you, the, the, the kid that made it, of you know, the Georgia G on the state of Florida, these numbers back all that up. Four, five, six, and nine. Four of the top ten rated players in the state of Florida, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, are all going to UGA. This on the heels of, you know, other big-time players who are also on the Georgia roster right now. I mean, you can make case Jalen Carter, the very best player on the team next year, also a Floridian. That this has been one of those things where Georgia has had great success there in the Sunshine State. And it brings up a couple of things to mind here which is how much longer is this going to be able to continue obviously this is one of the reasons why Billy Napier was hired at Florida because Dan Mullen you know had ceded so much ground in that state it's one of the reasons why the Bear Alexander thing counts in this discussion even though Bear only spent a brief time in IMG Academy because IMG is the kind of school there in Bradenton as talent rich as it's been where Florida for the most part hasn't had I'm talking about the University of Florida Florida for the most part hasn't had great success there Georgia has gone into IMG over and over again so obviously Napier by reputation would seem to be a better recruiter than Dan Mullen but also he is inheriting a situation where Georgia now has such a head start on all this Georgia now has has such a built-in well-established track record down in that state that you wonder how quickly any of that ground can can really be seated and you know around here we've always you know shared a lot of pride you know keeping those dogs at home and how many times have you heard someone like Stetson Bennett or someone like Nolan Smith or others even though I guess Nolan also spent some time at IMG Academy too but you know clearly he's a Savannah guy uh you know how how frequently how often have you heard about those guys share the pride they have for playing for this for their home state school, the University of Georgia. And we get that. That's one of those things that really matters to us. I would say there's a little bit of pride there as well that Georgia has kind of annexed a good bit of that state of Florida too. 2022 class, 2022 roster, 
Georgia's had great success there in the state of Florida. And so when you start talking about the recipe for a national championship, it's some of those recruiting wins that have uh, kind of helped lead to that. And as Georgia remains a national championship contender moving forward, a little bit of a Florida accent on this roster that kind of contributes to that as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Fans of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs, we sometimes say around here, happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, we're at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the various video platforms, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, and podcast, Apple, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, all kinds of fun ways to check out our show. We just really appreciate Pick one of them, enjoy it. Pick two of them. We'll take we'll take the double click on that for sure. The point is, I'm just really happy to have you with us for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. All kinds of fun stuff. And big thanks to Kroger as well for making it all possible. And by the way, Kroger, start thinking about them. It's not too soon to think about this. I was at my local Kroger the other day, and there's always a great holiday section set up right there in the middle. And you know, I'm always interested when the Halloween candy first comes out, when the Christmas stuff first comes out. Well, now you get that Valentine stuff. And Valentine's one of those days where, honestly... I'm just trying not to mess up. I'm just one, It's one of those things where I'm just trying to figure out what the ex- expected standard is and kind of meet the standard. Frankly, I probably don't want to exceed it too much because that just sets the bar even higher for the following year. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get it done. If I'm just going to be honest with you, just trying to uh, trying to get it done. And in all seriousness, Kroger does have everything you need to knock it out of the park for that significant other in your life when it comes to Valentine's Day, including this. You can get buy two, get one on Hershey's candy. You can also get savings on wine and sweet treats from the bakery uh, section and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's Kroger.com slash Valentine's for more on that. It's Kroger.com slash Valentine's for more on that. All right, Jeff's Intel coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let's get ready to do a little bit of a quick version of Around the Doghouse here today. And I want to address, I guess, the latest on a Georgia running back commit that may or may not end up being a uh, signee here. Let me show you. Let me show you Jordan James on Twitter here. This has come out recently, down to that final three, which is a little bit interesting, obviously for a for a guy who's you know technically a Georgia commit, but obviously you know did not sign in December. The thought was, well, that's holding off to February. But anytime you you hold off that long, there's always that question of will he actually be in the class? We talked to Jeff Sintel about that a couple of times. We're going to talk more about this in a moment. You see who the three schools he'll choose from. George in the middle. That's the current. Um, it's the current commit. Also, Oregon. They've got a little bit of the online steam as of late. Some of those online predictions have been going the way of Dan Lanning on this. There had been a little bit of a chatter about a maybe possible Florida visit here late in the process. On that, we'll uh, we'll find out more about that maybe from Jeff there as well. But the notion that you know what is going to happen with Georgia running back commit Jordan James and is he truly heading towards Oregon and away from Georgia here right now the other thing that kind of adds steam to all of this is is that Georgia has offered another running back recruit Andrew Paul is a running back out of Texas he has gotten an offer from UGA in fact I'll show you this on Twitter Del McGee going uh, you know, in you know, basically in school to visit there with the uh, coaching staff, where Paul hails from at Parish Episcopal, uh, Episcopal School. What's another <laughs> between uh, prerogative and Episcopal? I've picked a couple words today that are not easy for me to say. But a Parish Episcopal School there in Dallas, you see Dale McGee on hand. That's obviously to visit Andrew Paul. Paul recently getting a Georgia running back offer. So I think what a lot of this sets you up for is 
okay, so what is truly going on here? Anytime a player seems to be trending away from Georgia, there's always going to be a little bit of chatter related to, is this Georgia deciding he doesn't have room? Is this the player deciding he wants to be somewhere else? And you know, the fact that he didn't sign in December in the case of James would open up the door to, ooh, maybe Georgia was kind of tight with numbers. But the fact that he seems to be trending somewhere else and Georgia still seems to be at least paying attention to the possibility of, of adding a running back here uh, would seem to suggest that that's still a slot for that position that Georgia wants to look at, despite the fact that it's going to really be you know, seemingly pretty deep at the running back spot you know, next year with you know, Dejon Edwards and Branson Robinson, of course, the tandem of Kenny McIntosh, the Kendall Milton that folks seem to have a lot of excitement, a lot of interest in. And so I think all of that is uh, really pretty interesting right now. So that's where the, the conversation starts. Georgia offers a running back. Jordan James seems to be trending somewhere else. Where does it end? How does it go next Wednesday? Let's get ready to bring on Jeff Sintel and talk to him about that right now here on Around the Doghouse. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this as we get Jeff on the phone, that for a lot of this, it's really kind of an interesting start of what could be somewhat of an interesting era going forward where all of a sudden, maybe you're going to mention Georgia and Oregon in the same sentence a little bit more. You know, when you watch Sam Pittman go to Arkansas, you know, even though Arkansas is really kind of a long way away from here, Pittman's still a pretty big factor in the state of Georgia when it comes to recruiting. I mean, just look for yourself at a lot of the, you know, top, especially like, you know, junior, sophomores, things like that. I mean, one of the first SEC offers a lot of these guys will get is from Arkansas because Pittman wants to be an early offerer in a state like Georgia. And as Dane Lanning goes up to Oregon, and that's even farther away, of course. But my guess is is that, you know, Lanning's going to be looking for some of those same kind of players that Georgia's been looking for. And so the intersection of Georgia and Oregon in the James recruitment, this may be a little bit of a preview of some more situations where we mentioned Georgia and Oregon in the same breath a little bit more. Now, obviously, Georgia's going to win most of those recruiting battles. Uh, you have to have a situation like this to give Oregon really even a shot, probably. But nonetheless, we could be mentioning the the Ducks a little bit more frequently, and that's before you play him in the season opener for the 2022 season. So that's kind of the setup for Jordan James. What's the aftermath of all of that and the rest of the story for 2022? I think Georgia got a kicker commit today. We'll find out more about that. Uh and just all kinds of stuff. It's uh, on the road, assisted by AAA. We're getting close to the conclusion of the 2022 recruiting cycle, so let's touch on it all with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Jeff Sintel as we go on the road, assisted by AAA here today. And so, Jeff, I did a little brief version around the doghouse a moment ago and kind of set folks up on the story involving Jordan James. He's got a final three. Georgia's in there. Oregon seems to be the one with the steam as of late. Uh, obviously, he didn't sign with Georgia in December, but now that he's trending somewhere else, Georgia still seems to be looking at a, at a running back. Andrew Paul has become part of that conversation young man out of Texas so big picture is it really done is James really out of the Georgia class now based on all the chatter that's out there and is Georgia definitely looking to add a running back next Wednesday whether it be James or Paul or, or whatever else um good morning Brandon good morning everybody hey man let's get deep in the weeds Brandon how much do you think Andrew Paul's competition in Texas looks like 3A or 4A Georgia high school football 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw some of the highlights. I mean, obviously he's dominant there, but yeah, I mean, that's the first place you go, which is level of competition and and, and things like that. You do have to. I mean, trust me. I mean, uh, he had a gazillion touchdowns, I think, but but you do pay attention to the level of competition a bit. I, I would say that's probably fair to point out. Yeah, let's play on a few things on the board that I guess we call them our I guess our stakeholders of Georgia recruiting that we've. We've kind of recycled and preached over and over in the years. Number one, you got to follow the visits, man. Uh, how many times have you seen a, a Georgia coach with with Jordan James over the last month? Yeah. Um, everybody's popping up in homes. Number two is we've always known that Georgia backs, um, and just by looking at the just really the rank and file of them, man, the ideal Georgia backs going to have that burst now. Going to be around two fifteen. I think Andrew Paul's around 5'11", 6 feet, about 215, 220. Average 9.7 yards per carry. I think he had 2,800 all-purpose, 44 touchdowns. I think it's 2,400 on the ground, something like that. And This is for a program that's a three-time state champion. Del McGee was there on a Thursday. What do we think is important? an important use of Del McGee's time on a Thursday before National Signing Day? Really sounds like Clemson's in the mix there. Oregon used to be in the mix there. Clemson got the official visit this weekend. And, you know, we won't really key up where things are with Georgia and Andrew Paul out there until until he, he, he makes that official visit to Georgia this weekend. I think that's when things start to get real serious and you figure out how good of a fit that is all the way around. So that's interesting. So Paul coming into Athens, that's the expectation. And at that point in time, and I hate to – be so matter of fact like this but at that point in time they'll determine if the young man who got the offer is truly a take is, is that kind of kind of what the weekend looks like there where you know there's obviously there's a little more to this process than just being offered that that the the that both parties could be making some final decisions here this weekend is is that what it comes down to Right, and the way I look at it is obviously for Georgia offer him really late and then go see him I think take is probably uh, pretty much a given here. You got to remember, Del McGee and Georgia are great, but you know Clemson was in this thing about two weeks earlier. They got the official visit this past weekend. I think Clemson doesn't even have a back in this class right now, um, whereas Georgia has Branson Robinson. So I think it's a matter of if he takes the, if he's in Georgia this weekend, feel how everything fits, compare it to Clemson, of course, Oklahoma, TCU. Other schools like that around Andrew Paul have also been there for him. He comes from a – this is a three-time back-to-back Texas high school state champion. Now it's in the private school league, Brandon. It's not in the public school league with, you know, all the heavyweights like Dunk, out of Duncanville and Allen and everything else like that, Denton Ryan. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the public school league, but looking at it, watching his film, clearly he's got a burst. He's got a little bit more make-you-miss on his tape than maybe Jordan James does, of course. Jordan James was playing in the highest level of Tennessee high school football. He's also a multi-state champion as well. Um, so I think really it's a matter of just kind of like trying on the shoes, man, and seeing which one fits him better for his college college pursuit. So another name that's out there, and you know, it's one of those things. There's always going to be a desire for this kind of information and you know someone's gonna try to fill that void I I guess but Georgia did host Shamar Stewart last week and it's long been assumed and I think you've kind of laid this out here that you felt like there were probably two schools ahead of 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 Georgia on this Miami which kind of the hometown team Texas A&M which has obviously had tons of recruiting momentum 
so far uh, this cycle. Did Georgia do anything to make this more interesting heading towards Wednesday last weekend? Yeah, Brendan, I said on the I said on hedges. From my read of the situation, it feels like Georgia sounds like Georgia moved to maybe one and a half out of three, where maybe they were three after the official visit weekend. Now he's in Miami this weekend, and that's got some resurgence of you know that program is getting into the big boy recruiting business. That program is getting into. You know, we're going to commit resources to football. You've heard about the money being allocated from Miami's University Health Center that's going to go to go towards football. They're going to put some more bank behind the program. Uh, you've also got Texas A&M, which is, you know, the bank of Texas A&M right now in terms of the storyline of the 2022 recruiting cycle. I think Georgia is probably going to have to try to hold on to a lot of momentum. They went in the home with Shamar Stewart this week as well. Um, I, I think, I think, that uh, Shamar Stewart's going to leave the state of Florida. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to be Georgia just yet. I think there's a lot more to, to be determined there. So you mentioned the Bank of Texas A&M. Since you brought this up, I want to go there for a minute. We talked yesterday on the show and Wednesday on SEC Country Live about the Antonio Cromartie you know, Twitter rant about name, image, likeness, and players worried about who, what's in somebody else's pocket and things like that. And it does bring to mind the fact there have been a lot of rumors about how much A&M has leveraged name, image, likeness for the number one class that, it, that it's built. Now, the other day, Ross Bjork was interviewed by the uh, Houston Chronicle, uh, Brent Zwerneman, who's covered you know Texas football for a long time, the state of Texas. And, you know, uh, Bjork denied like, – there have been like this crazy number thrown out there, $25, $30 million. That was a message board post that somebody suggests. Uh, Bjork denied that was true. From your perspective, Jeff, how much do you believe that name, image, likeness, opportunities at revenue, some of this is very nonspecific, how much of that do you think has aided Texas A&M with putting the number one class together? Keeping in mind, they've been top ten classes the previous three years under uh, un- under Jimbo Fisher, but moving from that top five, top ten ranked to now number one, how much do you think name, image, likeness has helped them with players like Stewart or anybody else? I think it's helped them a great deal. I think you look at a lot of the players there. I, I know it seems really interesting now that um, Texas A&M here late at the gate, uh, they see the decommitment from Harold Perkins when, you know, he, he committed at the Under Armour game and he was like, I'm going to take my visits, but he sounded pretty, pretty locked into Texas A&M from the grounds of Camping World Stadium. And so did the other commitments and signees for Texas A&M as well. So it seems like Interesting that they're losing a five-star that's kind of peeling off this class a little bit. You hear, is it is it Florida now in there for, for Harold Perkins? I mean, I, Brendan, we all know the state of Texas is crazy. It's crazy when it comes to football. And you hear the things that the University of Texas is doing, and then there's the, the, the mood that Texas is coming into the SEC, and Texas A&M's kind of got to defend the ranch a little bit. Um, so all I know is what I've heard. All I've, all I've, I've heard this for the entirety of the balance of the recruiting cycle is Texas A&M was getting really creative with NIL, and they were trying to uh, – and the thing about when you look at that class, the way it's built, Brandon, you really don't see a lot of the offensive linemen yet. Of course, you see defensive linemen. You don't really see a lot of the other pieces necessary to win a championship. Uh, it looks to me like Texas A&M is really loaded up on receiver – They've really loaded up on defensive line and linebacker in this class. They've got a five-star quarterback. They're bringing in Max Johnson. Uh, they've got a lot of pieces, but they don't really have the lines built the way that I think this class needs to flourish over the next two or three years so everybody can determine 
what Texas A&M has done here, whether this is the greatest class in uh, college modern football recruiting history, uh, whether this plan, whether this prototype is actually the new normal. You got a good interview on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger on Wednesday with four-star defensive lineman Christian Miller. It's been kind of commonly assumed, even though I guess Miller is, I believe, slated to visit Miami this weekend, that it's Ohio State versus Georgia for Miller. There's also been a lot of online chatter as of late that there's uh, really probably an expected winner here that it is UGA, certainly in the minds of a lot of our audience. I think they're feeling pretty good about Miller coming towards Wednesday. You have any reason to throw cold water on that? Ah, cold water. Um, let me see. You know, Brandon, I, I had a chance to talk with him. I've talked to him for the balance of probably two and a half years now. He's always been, uh, like I dropped a line in that story that went up on dognation.com yesterday that, you know, he doesn't really, doesn't really care about NIL. He knows the NIL will follow him. I think he's absolutely right there. Uh, I think he's, I've dropped in a line that I think he's so marketable. He can sell runner up BCS 2021, uh, championship apparel to, to, to Alabama fans in Tuscaloosa. Christian is just that marketable. Uh, there's really, you know, it sounds almost like a PowerPoint presentation. He told me when I asked him in Texas, and he's kind of been laying low a lot, didn't want to do a lot of media this month, but he said it would be brotherhood, development, and a place that would be forever for him. So Georgia fans, if we've done our job, we've done our diligence doing the reporting of this story, uh, certainly everybody remembers the Trey Scott impersonation and the long relationship he has with Trey Scott. Uh, Kay and Lee is a 2023 uh, commitment to Georgia. He's a, that's been his teammate for a lot of years, Cedar Grove. He, probably the relationship he has with um, the relationship he has with Michael Williams is he calls it a brotherhood. He calls it that's his brother. I mean, those two have been, have been in it tight for many years. But I don't think a lot of people know this, but like Michael's kind of brilliant has really been fostered by Christian because Christian was the one that told him and his family to, hey, check out Chuck Smith. You need to check this guy out. You need to learn yeah. from him. You need to get a chance to go over and see him. And, and really, Christian, and then those two guys working out together with also guys like, you know, Tyree West, you know, a, a lot of other guys in, in Georgia in this 2022 class. I think it's Quayshawn Sapp is another guy. Those guys all worked out together, and they all really bonded together as they headed to the next level. And I feel like that relationship between Michael and Christian, those might be among each other's top five best friends in the world. So you think Georgia might be doing pretty good there with brotherhood. I remember a funny story from Christian out in Texas where he was going to wear Oscar Delft's practice jersey okay. on game day because that's just you know what he thought he might do is kind of a tribute there to Delft. Um, so there's a lot of things there. Georgia, Georgia's first year director of recruiting relations. I think he's, we can call him his second year now. Uh, Coach Cooper, David Cooper. I mean, I remember Christian telling me months ago, crossing his fingers and said, that is the guy. He, he told me a story about how Coach Cooper almost got him to commit to Florida when Cooper was working for the Gators. So I think there's a lot of ties there to Georgia. I think there's a lot of reasons for, for Georgia fans to get amped up at, uh, amped up for it a little bit. And, you know, frankly, Brandon, I know how you think, and you probably have the thinking man's will of the people here. I think Christian is the one folks are going to watch the most closely on on Wednesday on National Signing Day. I know Shamar Stewart is a guy people look at and say, man, if Georgia reels in that dude, that's an embarrassment of riches across the defensive line. And then the running back thing, and then, what you know, the likely signees, you know, Dylan Bell, we've got to remember him. He's, he's going to be in town this weekend. Uh checking out Georgia before he signs. That's the receiver out of private school football in Texas. 
Darius Smith, the guy out of Affling and Baxley, Baxley, Georgia, he is going to sign with Georgia on next next Wednesday on National Signing Day. But I think that the tick, tick, boom type announcement for the class is probably going to be Miller, and it's also going to be what happens with Shamar Stewart. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And, you know, I, I want to get more into, like, Darius Smith and, and what else Georgia is likely to do on Wednesday because I think Smith's a really interesting prospect. Let me let me push that aside, you know, just for a moment because you brought up something pretty interesting a moment ago. First of all, I do think the relationship between Christian Miller and Mikael Williams is really pretty interesting. And in terms of, you know, how these guys, if they want to be a part of the NIL world, how they have a chance to make money for themselves, you know, go back and watch, and I hope folks will watch the interview that you did with Christian back at the All-American Bowl and what was um, on Before the Hedges on Wednesday. This is a great personality. And listen, some players are just shy. I mean, not everybody wants to be in front of the camera and talking. And, you know, just that's just not something everybody's comfortable with. But for someone like Miller, if I've got a company and I'm looking for someone which what name, image, likeness is really supposed to be, some sort of commercial endorsement, you know, it's, it's personality that I'm looking for. And I would say I think Christian's got a really good personality that if he wants that to be a part of his repertoire, I mean, he's got the kind of personality that I think could really be a pretty attractive to a company. You know, I, so, I, so if, if that's what he wants to do, I, I wish him well because I think he's got the personality for it. I mean, and Brennan, it really fits in with this new Georgia, can we air quote it, dynasty that Kirby Smart is building because, you know, you got me thinking, uh, the top five most marketable Georgia targets coming out of high school, I'd put Nolan Smith in that group. I'd put Christian in that group. I'd probably put Jalen Walker in that group. Maybe even put Malachi Starks in that group. Just the type of kid that you want to represent your company, whether it's the the dairy products you see right now, or some, sometimes it's peanuts with the Georgia Agricultural Commission. Um, I mean, Michael, Michael and Christian, seeing those two together, um, it was very interesting watching them laugh and cut up all the time. They were in a they were in an impromptu gritty dancing contest out in Texas as well. Uh, Christian was going forward, back and forth with Julian Humphrey about dance moves. I think he's still doing that now on social media and TikTok and Instagram and. Uh, this is the big point, Brandon. This, if he does not choose Georgia, this is going to be the big foundational block in my mind. It, it, it's going to say, wow, something really changed up here. I know he's always loved Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State has been a dream school with, for him forever, along with Georgia. And But all I know is this, man. Christian Miller, everybody knows this. We've reported that. We were there when he, he messed up his knee pretty bad. It's not going to require surgery. He's already kind of bouncing back from it a little bit. Um, at the state championship game. So he couldn't play at the All-American Bowl. And he had a funny joke about, you know, no wonder Chris, Christian said, no wonder Michael's looking so good right now because I'm not out here because that would be me doing some of that stuff too. Um, but here's the thing, Brandon. I saw him watch because he was from a coaching perspective. He had to be a player coach that week. And he was like, okay, right, I'll take that. Give me that. Give me that. Good, good energy. I'll take that. He was doing those coaching diatribes, and he was sounding and looking like a real coach. But here's what he saw up close. And he's a football-thinking kid as well. Don't forget that. Is he saw Michael lined up in a, in a, in a five-tech or inside, in, inside shade a little bit. He saw Marvin Jones Jr. out on the edge. And then he thought about himself, and he went, wow, what would it be like to be part of a defensive line like that where he would probably never get doubled? I mean, I think – I think Christian's probably a top 50, top 60 overall player in the country, even though uh, number 102 is, I think, where he ranks in the final evaluations. But I'm going to tell you, everybody wants to know how Georgia can get better or just as good. 
2023 and 2024 as it was in 2021. I'm going to tell you, if you get a defensive line with a rotation of Miller uh-huh. and, and Bear Alexander, uh-huh. and then you've got Marvin on the edge, and then you've got Darius Smith, and you've got Jalen Walker behind behind those dudes, and you've got C.J. Washington, and then you've got Michael up front, who was the National High School Defensive Player of the Year by the Maxwell Club. And then, hold on, and now the secondary, the guys on the back end, that's a five-star here. That's one of the nation's top six corners there. There's one of the nation's top five corners there. All of a sudden, those walk-ons, those patch and plug and play on the back end are not there. And it is really, let's face it, if when Kirby Smart dreamed at night about the ultimate Georgia defense with length and speed and size and physicality, I think that's what he's cooking up in his brain right now with this 2022 class because it is going to be quite formidable. Bear Alexander, Christian Miller, if it's Shamar Stewart, that's just going to be an embarrassment of riches. I mean, whatever whatever all these schools are doing at wide receiver, Alabama's doing at wide receiver, have at it, Hoss. But, I mean, I'm going to tell you, that defensive line, if you give this Georgia defensive line as it stands now, a Christian Miller and then maybe a Shamar Stewart, and I think they'll be ready to go put the ball down and play a couple of times in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and see what happens. i got a couple things I want to do before we let you go, but you mentioned Bear Alexander, so let me squeeze this in. I know you did some reporting the other day on – I think it's a torn labrum for Alexander. I know he had some stuff on Instagram about that. Sounds like that's going to be a setback for him for spring practice. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we reported in the story, I think it was on Monday. First of all, it was a marvel to me that he even played through that stuff. I think we talked about it a little bit on your show on on Friday, but like it was a marvel that he even played his entire senior season. Apparently it goes back to a camp situation in June of 2021 when he actually injured the shoulder, but – he played through the All-American game, and Brandon, it was hot, and there were five stars tapping out left and right, and, and, and Bear just kept playing. It was a matter of pain tolerance for him. He said he'd likely have to get it worked on in Athens. We know, it, we know the type of shoulder surgery for football players, it's about a six-month cycle before you're back to 100% strength in that entire shoulder joint area right there. So, yeah, Bear's a guy that um, not likely, definitely not going to go for spring practice. But it was all about getting himself ready for Oregon. But I, I really want to stress the mental toughness I saw from Bayer because I saw him really, really aggravate that shoulder on a Tuesday in All-American game practices. And I thought, all right, he's not going to do anything for the rest of the week because I saw guys going down with ankles. I don't know whether it was like turf toe. Like everybody was going down left and right. It was a very leisure week kind of for the All-American game. Once anybody got nicked, everybody shut it down. But Alexander was not like that. He came to that week to prove something to himself and to everyone else that he belonged among the nation's best, and he wasn't going to let something hold him back, or he wasn't going to walk away from that experience feeling unfulfilled. And I love that quote where he gave me, it was on dognation.com on Monday, where he's like, you know what? These people were telling me, hey, man, are we friends? Can we chill? What's going on here? And he's like, man, I have no friends out here when that helmet's on, but then afterward we can be all love and kisses afterward. But, you know, that is the mentality that this young man lives. He's told me many times, and that whole story is going to be on Dog Nation sometime this winter, where he feels like he's 99 years old. He's went through a 90-year-old man's worth of ups and downs in his life already, and he's at Georgia right now. And he, Brandon, when Big Bear Alexander says he's going to be ready to play against Oregon, 
uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in September of 2022, I'm certainly going to believe it. All right, uh, I want to do a couple things before we let you go. Let me remind folks, we are on the road, assisted by AAA, with Jeff Sintel here today. And, of course, we were talking a little earlier about being on the road and all the challenges that go along with that. As an adult, also something you got to think about is auto insurance there, too. And when you think about auto insurance, I want you to think about AAA. In fact, I wanted to check this website. It's AAA.com slash auto insurance. AAA.com slash auto insurance. Find out how you can switch and save with AAA today and potentially put hundreds of extra dollars in your pocket. So that's the website. You can also give them a call, 866-380-1637. That phone number, uh, 866-380-1637. All right, Jeff, very quickly, two uh, final thoughts here. You mentioned Darius Smith a little earlier. I've told you before, I believe that Smith is potentially one of the more interesting prospects in this class, at least related in relationship to how little sometimes I think he's being discussed. Sounds like he's still signing on Wednesday. I like the long frame for the edge rusher, Dylan Bell. It's become a little bit of a, tr- a tradition for an in-state guy to kind of pop late. Maybe he gets the opportunity to be part of the class. Give me 30-ish seconds or whatever you want to on how many guys you expect Georgia to sign on Wednesday and I guess you know who that is. Uh, we've obviously talked about Miller, of course, but, but beyond that, just kind of what's still left for Georgia to add, how many names – will officially be put into this class come Wednesday? Yeah, I think the number's probably four or five. Brandon, I don't know if Georgia's going to fill up everything. I think they're going to save room under that 85 for about three potential names in the portal. Uh, those would be guys transferring from another university or institution in college football. Got to mention Darius Smith. I think he moved up to 160 overall in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Got to mention Carlton Madden, C.J. Madden, the guy, too. He was another guy that got a boost. I think 24-7 Sports had him among their top 150 players in the country. That's another Cedar Grove teammate of, uh, of, uh, of Christian Miller. So that's another tie there. I think the, the ideal close to the class for Georgia would probably be uh, Miller. You would have uh, Smith sign, Dylan Bell sign. Maybe they could pull a, this Andrew Paul fella laid out of Texas, or maybe they get the, the, the big granddaddy recruit five-star of them all. Shamar Stewart, which would give them six defensive five stars in the class, and Brandon, that's really unheard of. I think the Georgia record, that the national record, which would have been tied by Alabama, was seven five stars in any one class, uh, and Georgia might have with the addition of Shamar. Don't think that's likely as of yet, but Shamar would make six defensive five stars for just one side of the ball, and. Like I said, Georgia's going to be very hard to deal with with this defensive class regardless. But you give them Darius Smith signing, you give them Christian Miller uh, signing to what's already in Athens and what's already signed, and that's a gangbusters class. So let me just squeeze this in real quick. Sounds like last night Georgia added a kicker. His name is Henry Bates. Um, How excited should I be about this? Brandon, you're going to be of like Bates Motel jokes. You're going to be working on those or something. Everybody's going to go ah. You're going to him and ha a little bit about a preferred walk-on kicker, but that's the same route that Hot Rod Blankenship took. Oh yeah, no, same yeah. Listen, that, you're exactly right. I'm not saying that's not good. I mean, there's a chance he ends up being the next, you know, Blankenship or whatever else. I just. <laughs> When it comes to like evaluating kickers, I guess I'm just not all that uh, uh, well versed in uh, how to do that. Oh, it sounds like the folks at Cole's Camp, which is I guess the big kicker camp, it sounds like they like him a lot. But there you go. Yeah, you know, it, same same route. Let's be let's be very forthright. That's the same route that uh, Pud Lesney took to get sure. to Georgia as well. That's the preferred walk on and earn your way to a scholarship. And you know, Georgia's been wanting to do something with the kicker 
the kicker option in this class because, you know, Jay Pod's actually a graduate. He's not really – he was one of those guys that went through the ceremonial act against Charleston Southern as a graduate, potential last home game at Sanford Stadium. Uh, so, you know, Mr. Bates is a guy to really watch. He's a guy that kicked off a lot. I think he, I think he touched back. He had touched back on 75% of his kickoffs for Ware County. This is a Gator becoming a Bulldog brand. I know you, you love the, love the sound of that anytime you can hear it in a sound bite. But the other thing, and I'm going to tell you this is like lots of people looked at and they, they kind of sent me a message back and forth about his accuracy or whatever. But I'm going to tell you high school kickers, a lot, a lot of times their accuracy is dependent on their holder and their snapper, uh, the long snapper, the long snapper and the holder in high school football can really, I guess, skew some Division One talent. And you have a guy, according to my information, Brandon, I've been told that he had a chance, he had a full scholarship ride to places like Mercer and Georgia Southern, and this young man is taking his talents to Georgia as a preferred walk-on uh, to kick for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and listen, I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, welcome into the fold uh, to uh, Mr. Bates there on that. Jeff, good stuff. Thanks for being here on the road. This is by AAA. I know it'll be a busy uh, next few days as Georgia puts some finishing touch on the 2022s. And there'll be some hot names amongst the 2023s. I believe they're stopping by there as well. We'll talk more about that in the future. We've run out of time for today. But I just appreciate you being here, and we will look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, Brandon, quick close. We also did not mention EJ Lightsey. That's the down south Georgia boy out of Fitzgerald. I know we're covering a lot here. That's another guy that it certainly seems trending towards Georgia, another linebacker in this class. Kind of has like Bonte Rice plus type skills uh, coming out of Fitzgerald. That's a state championship program. And also, keep your ears pointed, everybody's tongues wagging and hunkering down. The expectation this weekend is Georgia will host Five-star running back Reuben Owens the second. Yep. They call him the unicorn. Phenomenal. If you just want to put in your mind what a Noel Divine highlight looks like for folks of you that are dear to my heart and Brandon's heart that remember the name Noel Divine, also Reggie Bush, that type of incredible space, three-down playmaker. He is expected to be Athens in Athens again this weekend. It is an unofficial visit, but that is the number two running back yep. in the country. Who, who looks like his highlights look like everybody's best saved clips on Madden times five. So that's another interesting visit this weekend as well. Very good stuff, Jeff. Thank you so much. We'll follow all those stories at dognation.com with you and chat with you in the program again very soon too. Hey, man. Have a good show, man. Take it easy, buddy. You as well. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, Jeff mentioning EJ Lightsey there. Talked about it before. You know, it seems like late in the process – there's always that in-state guy that really kind of gets on the radar in a big way, and that's always kind of an exciting part of the conclusion of the 2022 recruiting cycle out of Fitzgerald. By the way, piece of trivia, Fitzgerald, one of three schools in Georgia to have Purple Hurricanes as a nickname. Fitzgerald, Monroe area, uh, Cartersville, so one of the one of the trio of Purple Hurricanes in the state would be uh, E.J. Lightley's, EJ Lightsey's uh, uh, Fitzgerald team there. And, of course, Ruben Owens, pretty interesting stuff there on that front, too. More coming at dognation.com on all of that. we got some SEC news to get to here. We're going to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Going to be a lot of fun there. And, boy, talk about having a lot of fun. How about a chance to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship here in 2022? I've got my cruises coming up. I'm excited about all of that. Uh, you do there as well. Looking forward to being on board with many of you there, too. It's just going to be an incredible time. And... One of, the, one of the things that I, I think that a lot of folks have told me as we've been talking a lot more about Royal Caribbean as of late is just the things that you get a chance to do on board. I don't think a lot of folks realize 
just how much there is to do on, on a lot of these ships. Obviously, you're going to ports of call and things like that, but actually the destination in many ways is what's actually happening on board the ship. You know, on a lot of these, you have the aqua theater where you see the big high diving shows. This is the kind of thing that like a world-class form of entertainment, but you're seeing it right there on a cruise ship or the Broadway-style entertainment, you know, like some of the ships have like grease, things like that. Uh, obviously, the ice skating on, on some of these ships is really pretty amazing. You have a chance to ice skate yourself, but they also have the ice skating shows. It, it's just really cool. And you got the bionic bar. You know, it's like a bar where you have like these robotic arms kind of make the drinks for you. You like to do the zip line across the ship. You get a chance to do that. Uh, some of the water slide stuff, like the perfect storm or the ultimate abyss, which is actually a dry slide, tallest slide at sea. You go from the top of the ship all the way down to the bottom. Uh, that's really cool there as well. So you should do some exploring on this for yourself. And one of the ways you can do that is reaching out to our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority, their website, tcava.com. That's the website, tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300, 770-952-8300. Talk to them. Let them tell you all the great options available to you about the Royal Caribbean cruise ship fleet, which ship's the right one for you, which port's the right one to sail out of. I love going out of Port Canaveral because – it's close to Orlando and just kind of easy to drive to. It's just a pretty simple thing all the way around. So check all of that out here. 2022, a great time to be back on the seas. And Royal Caribbean, our choice for that. And the Cruise and Vacation Authority, the choice that we use to help book our Royal Caribbean cruises. So fun times indeed. Now, with that said, as we go SEC through here and we take a look at some of the other SEC news, it would seem as of yet that the... SEC coaching carousel hasn't quite stopped spinning yet. Uh, a couple of coordinators I want to mention here for a moment. Let me start with Liam Cohen from Kentucky, who Cohen, former staffer for uh, uh, the LA Rams, you know, working there with uh, now moving, you know, obviously SEC. He was well received, I would say, in his first year there in Lexington. So much so that he's been a little bit of a hot name and. Now getting some chatter to potentially be Miami's next offensive coordinator. Now a couple of things uh, of note here. You know, typically you think of SEC job being better than ACC job. Although, you know, Miami a little bit different variety, a little bit different stripe on that. But my gosh, how many times on this show have I had reason to come on here and talk to you about Miami's attempt to hire an offensive coordinator? And most of these have just kind of gone nowhere. They haven't really fizzled out, and they, I mean. This has not exactly been the most pristine coaching search, given all the rumors that have come up and the fact that Miami, as of now, is still looking for a coordinator. So, I mean, there's there, there's a part of me that's always going to be a little skeptical of some of the name, image, likeness, hysteria that seems to exist around the sport. I just, I just going to be a little skeptical of that. For instance, when you talk about, ooh, the big villains when it comes to name, image, likeness, the programs that are really throwing their weight around, Miami is generally thought to be one. We've had Miami boosters even be specific as to the amount of money they're supposedly paying players. But your ability to operate an efficient player-paying organization, to me, is called into question when you can't even hire a coach because we've been paying coaches for a lot longer. We've been paying players, at least above, above the board. We've been paying coaches for a lot longer than that. And the fact that you still can't hire an offensive coordinator, and apparently you got, you know, these billionaire, you know, Miami boosters who are throwing all their money around. Well, if you're really doing that, and if you're really, you know, the place to be, if you're the hot name, then surely you could hire an offensive coordinator. As of yet, Miami hasn't exactly been able to. The other coordinator conversation that's out there, maybe, maybe Cohen becomes that guy. Maybe he leaves and you know takes some of that L.A. Rams offensive success to Miami with him. But I'm going to be suspicious of that just because Miami's had a hard time hiring an offensive coordinator, and they've tried to do that a few times. The other thing that comes up is Bill O'Brien. 
And O'Brien was briefly a candidate for the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching job. And ultimately that didn't happen, or at least seems like it's not going to happen. Um, and we talked at the time about the fact that, you know, for a lot of these Alabama fans, they don't like Bill O'Brien, that they were critical of him after the after the national championship loss. Uh, obviously, the Alabama offense didn't work that day. Critical of him at times during the regular season as well. They're actually trying to push him out the door. You know, you don't typically see college coordinator become NFL head coach, but that's at least what O'Brien at one point in time was rumored to be. They're kind of pushing him out the door. Well, now there is some chatter that Josh McDaniels, Patriots offensive coordinator, also former Denver Broncos head coach, may go become Raiders head coach now be careful hiring McDaniels too because at one point in time he was almost going to become what was it Colts head coach and left the organization at the altar and really I think in some respects tarnished his reputation in the process so be careful even trying to hire McDaniels because he's proven to be indecisive in the past but there is some thought that he may be on his way to becoming Raiders head coach and if he leaves the position that he has been in Bill Belichick's offensive coordinator that someone like Bill O'Brien could move into that role so this is kind of an interesting time here where Bama fans could lose O'Brien and not be all that worried about it if the team that's hiring him is kind of the gold standard in the NFL at least the potential landing spot the gold standard in the NFL when it comes to the New England Patriots so kind of an interesting world there on that with um with all of that I saw where Auburn lost a recent four-star Sunday Marquise Robinson defensive lineman leaving the program there you, there you go Tom Green who covers uh Auburn for uh AL.com um is is kind of moving on there I only played once last year but he's the eighth defensive lineman from Auburn in the transfer portal this offseason that's tough man we, we've said it now a million times Brian Harson solidly on the hot seat coaches changing left and right players changing left and right I don't really quite know where it's all going for Harson there at Auburn, but this is an Auburn program that just is, I mean, it's at best sideways energy, if not total program regression. And the Auburn fan, as we said on yesterday's show, seems to have kind of cast it all aside. They don't even seem to care about very much anymore. They're all about the basketball team right now, which is just pretty interesting to see all the way around. One final thing for you, too. Conference championship games coming up on Sunday. A lot of SEC tie into all of this. But also, a lot of Georgia fans are just kind of excited about this. We talked about this with Mark Rick the other day uh, about the fact that the, you're guaranteed to have a Georgia player in the Super Bowl again. It's been true for 20-something years. Uh, you know, Trey Hill still involved. You had DeAndre Baker along with McCole Harbin there for the Chiefs. Obviously, Charlie Werner for the, for the San Francisco 49ers. But I get the impression, because of it's Sony and certainly because it's Matthew Stafford and uh, you know, Leonard Floyd, I get the impression that the energy for Georgia fans this weekend is surrounding the L.A. Rams. And this is a long time coming for Stafford. I mean, Stafford was was with the Detroit Lions, a place where you really can't win. Unfortunately, Andre Swift is finding that out now. Stafford got away from that, gets a chance to pair himself with Sean McVay, gets a chance to now be in a place where he's got the weapons, where he can show as a quarterback what he's always been capable of being. And, you know, Stafford's time at UGA was kind of a long time ago now, but... But it seems like folks still have memories of that, fond memories of a Georgia team in 2007 that came very close to doing some really special things. Obviously, what he was as a true freshman in 2006. Stafford's still got a bunch of fans amongst UGA fandom, Dog Nation. And with all due respect to McColl and all due respect to Charlie Warner on the other side, I get the impression that there are a lot of UGA fans who are also Rams fans this weekend. You can tell me if I'm right about that, but that's the sense that I get. A couple quick shout-outs on the way out the door. Uh, finish long drink, of course. You can enjoy them as you're watching some football. Enjoy it 
to give you the proper <laughs> pronoun here for a moment. Uh, you can enjoy it this weekend as you're getting ready to watch a little football. And if you want to find out more about the Finnish Long Drink and the four different varieties that are available, longdrink.com on that. Put in your zip code. You can find out whether it be golf course, or bar, or beverage store, whatever else, where you can pick up the Finnish Long Drink. The traditional in the blue can, which has a gin kick and a grapefruit flavor. The Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar. Long Drink Strong, 8.5%. Alcohol by volume. Long Drink Cranberry, obviously the cranberry flavor on that. You can even shop and get the 8-can variety pack, which includes two of each of the different varieties of the finished Long Drink. So make sure you try some and enjoy that today. And who knows, maybe you can buy some of the little cryptocurrency, like like Space Dogs, for instance. We've talked about uh, Space Dogs. It's a great way to get acquainted with the crypto space and get involved with some folks who are UGA grads, big dog fans, and know all about this world. In fact, they've created some really cool cryptocurrency-related products, whether it be the dog's wallet, the dog's token, the, the, the space card. These are ways just to make safer, more secure transactions online. Some of the stuff you're already doing could just be made better by engaging in the world of crypto with space dogs. And if you're ready to take the mystery out of all of this, uh, the world of crypto, check out the website. It's dogs. Dot io. That's the website, D-A-W-G-S, dogs.io. Hope you'll check that out today and hope you're all getting ready for a great weekend. So let's finish in style here. Funny Golden Shoe, our buddy William Perry shares it for us. So the other day there was a little bit of chatter about all the goofy job titles that, um, uh, that new Florida coach Billy Napier was passing out, you know, game changer coordinator, something like that for people working with special teams. Well, William Perry shared this. He said he had his own take on this, that Rob Sale, who's been hired to work with the offense and lead the offense there for Billy Napier. Uh, Billy, uh, William Perry says that his prediction for Sling Blade, which is what we're calling uh, Billy Napier, his next coaching innovation, he says, is going to be creator of scoring czar. Yeah, that's pretty funny from William Perry. That's the kind of goofy job titles that Billy Napier seems to be attracted to. And a lot of these coaches, man, they just seem to buy into the wrong kind of thing. Maybe Billy Napier, the latest example of that. Here's what we do know. Dogs on top right now. It's been a long time since Florida could say that. 4,768 days. How about a Gator Hater countdown as well? 274 days from now. Uh, the great-looking Eddie and the Golden Shoe were taking it all with us down to Jacksonville and beating those lousy, stinking Gators again. Y'all have a great weekend. Happy Friday to you. We'll see you back here Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will talk to you then. And on the podcast, down now at the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. So a couple of tweets I want to read, and I think this is uh, pretty interesting. So first of all, Dr. Higgs on Twitter mentioned the – film room thing for the national championship the one that the Texas A&M staff was a part of he says that he really liked it have y'all seen this I think it's probably available online even if it's like a bootleg copy on YouTube how good was that was that good interesting hearing uh, Jimbo and the staff talking about uh you know the the Georgia game that feels like I, I bet that probably would be a pretty good rewatch a lot of us are rewatching the national championship game a good bit anyway uh going back and and rewatching the film room thing it was different this year a lot of times that that you know, parallel broadcast has a lot of different head coaches. This particular year was the entirety of the uh, Texas A&M staff doing it together. I wouldn't mind going back and rewatching that. That's probably pretty interesting. Also, Kurt Scuba Dog writes in. So the Georgia white pullovers that the team wore on the uh, national championship celebration day. He wants to know where to buy one of those. I don't know the answer to that, but I will tell you this: this is always true. 
that um, the national championship and college ball playoff gear that the teams get, I always think is the coolest looking stuff in the world. And to be completely honest with you, I'm like a lot of fans. I'm sort of obsessed with gear. There's gear that I like. There's gear that I don't. To be completely frank, I don't always love the Nike gear. I don't really know 100% know why. Some of it's kind of cool. Some of it to me is kind of not. I always feel like they kind of get the Georgia red a little bit wrong. And obviously we've had issues with the silver britches going back 100 years. And this is not even like a like an anti-Nike stance. This is just I don't know that Nike always does Georgia gear as well as some of the other companies that make it do. It's just my own personal opinion. But the Nike playoff gear is always so cool. The you know they give the team like the sweatsuits, like the um, if you see the team like around town during that week, they're wearing that. the The playoff logo is always the, the, the Nike swoosh with the playoff like metallic, you know, add on is always just really sharp. The white uh, pullover they were wearing for the thing the other day, typically very cool with that. Um, I always love and try to notice if you notice this if you get a chance to the Nike college football playoff gear that Georgia gets is always just really, really sharp. Very, very well done. So I can't tell you where to get that, but it is in keeping with a lot of the other playoff stuff that these guys get. It's all just really, really cool. A couple of folks, JD Dogwalker and uh, Sugar Ray weighed in on what I said during the show today that just in very simple, you know, we did the graphic, and if you're obviously you're listening to the podcast, you didn't see this, but you may have seen the tweet anyway, where the guy was like putting the the logos and the states about who dominated where in recruiting, and he had the floor, the state of Florida with the Georgia G on it, and I said that I would absolutely buy that as a T-shirt, silhouette of the state of Florida with just G on top of it. Just to me, that just looks really cool because while I'm a proud Georgian, I've obviously. You know, spent a lot of leisure time in Florida my entire life and still enjoy that right now. Lousy, stinking gators aren't going to ruin that state for me. I feel like we own it anyway. So um, uh, the point is I would absolutely wear that. And I can't show you this because this is obviously on a visual medium. I'll do a golden chew about this next week, though, so maybe tune in and see it. Uh, Sugar Ray has made a very, very cool uh, version of a, a T-shirt like that. It says Recruiting Matters. It's got the uh, state of Florida, the the national championships. It's just all really good. That's really cool. Sugar Ray's very, very clever with stuff like that. Really well done. So that's really fun. So if you want to be a part of the cool down, weigh in at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter or in the comments section at dognation.com. And I hope you all have a great weekend. I'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Also check out RS Andrews for your air conditioning, heating, and plumbing electric needs. It's going to be cold. So get that heating system taken care of. If you're worried about it, it's going to have a lot more cold weather before the winter's done. It's already kind of proven to be a little bit of a cold winter. So more of it probably coming. So get that heating system tuned up, rsandrews.com, for more on that. Have a great day. See you back here Monday. Talk to you then.